How's it going, everyone? Jake motherfucking Allen laid it down tonight. Uh, we've got an awesome show laid out for you here. We're going to talk about the Canadian second win of the season, first road win of the season, and first win in San Jose since, I believe, 1999. It was all over the broadcast. Uh, but this is a weird season, so of course that's going to happen now. We're going to bring in Arun Singh and AJ Perez right now. How's it going, guys? Great. Not bad. I know, AJ, this was a tougher one for you because you're a Sharks fan, but uh, pretty good night for Canadians fans, I'm guessing, who stayed up late and were actually rewarded with something. A spectacular performance by Jake Allen. That was absolutely incredible. Borderline Halakian, if I might say. It did yeah, kind as of a goal, a lot it was, reminiscent. It was great. It was yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, he was he was he was stopping everything. The Sharks had some chances down low; they couldn't really lift up over him. But credit to him, he, he was there in 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 the right spot. Didn't give up didn't give up rebounds like uh, the Sharks did. So that was uh, that was uh, you know, face forty six shots, forty five, forty six shots, whatever it was. So he was you know, he was on his game. Yeah, and they weren't easy shots. Uh, just based on natural stat trick, I believe. Let's see here. They have the Sharks down for 27 scoring chances at even strength. And 42 scoring chances in all situations. So, like, obviously not all scoring chances, according to natural Statrix metrics, uh, are on net. They include, I believe, unblocked shot attempts. I don't know if they include blocked shot attempts. But uh, the Sharks were all over the scoring area. They got 17 high-danger chances in that game. Which is a lot. <laughs> it's the the Canadians uh, for like let's call spade a spade that there was some score effects in the game, right? Because whenever you're trailing, you end up getting more shots on goal. But the Canadians' defense is still very suspect, and Allen really covered them up in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I want to uh, first want to take a. I want to say that AJ is not alone. Um, if I have a West uh, Western Conference team, it definitely is the Sharks. I was. Uh, uh, you know, back in 2016, I was in uh, Stanford uh, for university for the hospital for some pretty major surgery, jaw wired shut, stuck in bed. And one of the only things I could watch on TV besides reruns of the Big Bang Theory, which is not my thing, was oh, Sharks playoff yeah. games. And uh, little uh, Joe Pavelski is why I became a fan. I'm a cat person, became a fan of the Sharks. Um, and I got to say, they're uh, hadn't caught a game of them this season, but they are incredibly fun to watch. Eklund uh, is a blast, and I think uh, it actually reminded me of watching the Habs of old when you had this cool young core and they were playing tough, and it just it didn't go their way. No, and it was you know they've uh, they rallied in other games, even though, even their prior two losses before this, the third loss in a row, they kind of battled back in those games. They had some sustained pressure tonight. We was kind of maybe end of the second period they were doing something, parts of the third, but you know the first it was not it wasn't going well for them at all in the first, and they kept. You know, they left the period with, you know, they were down one nothing, right, at that time. But, yeah, there was uh, – it was – you know, they didn't have that push. You know, they had a little little burst, maybe a line or two at a time, but there was no sustained pressure. Uh, that really outside – when they when they got behind, as Andrew mentioned, they had to throw shots on net. 
there was, you know, there was, there wasn't their power play looked flat again, which they're three games in a row without a goal now. And uh, that, you know, that's, you know, that's what kind of kept them back this game. Yeah, I really feel like the end of that second period was a turning point. We were chatting about it beforehand, but if they had scored in that power play, cut the the lead down, you would go into the third period with momentum. If you want to argue momentum is a thing, uh, I do believe it is a thing. And uh, with the kind of pressure they were putting on in that third period and the confidence they would have had after scoring a power play goal, um, I think they could have been really deadly. Um, And we might have still ended up with a fight at the end of the third period, but we might be in overtime right now. Yeah, yeah, it didn't go that way. <laughs> yeah, it was it was an interesting game. I think that uh, you have to give it to the Sharks for not giving in. You know, they they did really push hard, but there was some nervousness around the net front area. I think as much as it's like hard to really qual quantify what's going on in the players' head, I think Jake Allen definitely got in their heads towards the end of the game because there was a few chances where they had the an empty net dead to rice. Dead to rights, sorry. Uh, Balsers had an empty net, and he just like turned around. He had so much time, and he whiffed on it, and it went wide. I think Logan Couture had a shot late in the third period. Alone in the slot, you'd think he buries it, and it goes way wide. Sometimes when a goalie's doing everything, it just it gets in the players' heads. They squeeze their sticks, and it doesn't work out. And I feel like, you know, as much as... Jake Allen is not Carey Price, right? Like, he's not that calm, composed goaltender. He's not absorbing rebounds like crazy. There were rebounds to be had in this game. He was pushing them to the outside for the most part. But Jake Allen is a battler, right? Like, you can see him fighting off shots all through this game. And I think that, in a way, as much as being calm can keep a team from unraveling, that kind of gave the Canadians a little bit of fire early in this game when whenever the Sharks did get a grade-A chance that Allen was just like fighting things off and it looked like he was dead to rights. And then he'd just stick a leg out at the last second and find that puck that really allowed the Canadians to keep afloat early in this game. I don't know a lot of, you saw that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Go Go ahead. All right. And to go off that, you saw them passing up shots. The the sharks are passing shots up going, you know, blind, blind freaking backhand passes to nobody. You know, they're turning it over constantly with, we, you know, between the face-off dots, just kind of looking for someone else because they didn't think they had the, the best shot, apparently, to score, so they pass it off. No one was there because they, they were in his head. So go take – sorry about that. Go for it. No, no. It's so cool. I, I tend to talk a lot, as Andrew knows. Uh, I would say the thing I wonder about Jake Allen, I don't know a lot about him, and you both may have more experience talking to him or, or reading about it, reading his thoughts. I got to imagine he comes in a situation this year and he's also got something to prove, you know, prices prices out for as long as he needs to be out. And we of course all support him and taking the time he needs for himself and his family. But uh, this is a chance for him to, to not just be not carry price. It's a, it's a chance for Jake Allen to, to mean something a bit more. And I think, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he does vacillate between the performances. And I think all the blues fans I know have said he's great until he's not, but then he's great again when he is. And uh, right now, I think what he is doing, it's, it's not the most spectacular. It's not the most dramatic, but it, he's in place at no point in this game, even with the, did he ever seem out of place? Even when he got exposed, it wasn't because he wasn't on top of his game. And I have been incredibly, I've been incredibly impressed by him. Now, to be fair, um, uh, two of the five games I've watched have been where they've won. So maybe I'm seeing the better response, the better performances, but like, uh, I don't think twice about him in net right now for the Habs. 
Yeah, he's been solid. You know, it's all that you could ask of a player of his quality, right? His pay grade. He's doing his job. I don't think he's blown a game for the Montreal Canadiens so far this season. I think that there's been games that got out of control while he was in net. But that comes down more to the defensive play than anything for me. Like, the game against the Seattle Kraken, I thought the Canadians just played terrible. Like, terrible defensively. And they weren't great tonight either. Like, they had some plays where, like, they cleared the rebound and kept things to the boards on the rebounds. But the Sharks were able to find seam passes constantly. And the fact that they just weren't able to get the shots off or Allen made spectacular saves, that's more what saved them than their great defensive play. The only guys who really stood out to me defensively tonight were uh, Cole Caulfield for one play late in the in the game uh, on the back check. Just because it was surprising, it was Cole, Caulf- Cole Caulfield. He's not exactly great defensively. Uh, Nick Suzuki, I thought, had an incredible night. His best game of the year by far. I thought he looked electric in the offensive zone for the first time this season. He was the key to the offense through the first two periods, I found. Uh, his line was really, really solid. And Brett Kulak. I thought he had a fantastic night. A lot of really good reads, a lot of breakup plays where he would just take the puck calmly and move it to another player. I thought he was great. Uh, Jeff Petrie, though, he's on the struggle bus. It's it's not working very well for Jeff Petrie right now. Uh, what do you think that is, Andrew? Because to me, as someone looking at it who's not a hockey professional writer like the two of you, he just looks like a guy who's who's like overthinking it by a half step, trying to be a little bit too fancy, trying to trying to find something that is not what I think of when I think of his play. He's always struck me as a really smart, high hockey IQ, um, efficient player. And right now it just feels like he's trying to make the puck go places it doesn't want or need to go. Yeah. I think there's, it's a combination of things for Petrie. There's an immense amount of pressure on him, right? He is the only Canadians defenseman who is adept at moving the puck and creating offense. It's he's the only guy of his type in the organization at the NHL level, right? So like Chris Weidman, yeah, he can move the puck a little bit, but he's like a seventh D who needs to be pretty heavily sheltered. Petrie is the number one guy. Everything has to go through him. I don't think playing with Ben Sherratt is an easy task, which is it complicates matters, although I don't think Sherratt was the issue tonight. It was more just Petrie trying to do too much, trying to be a little bit too fancy. And I think that we underestimate how bad his injury was in last year's playoffs. Like we got to remember that when he caught his fingers in that camera hole while skating past it and trying to swat a puck out of the air, there was rumblings that he was going to need surgery. I don't think he ever got surgery. So like how much is that impacting him right now? Is his hand a hundred percent? We don't actually know how much is that affecting his stick handling, which seems to be, part of the suspect area of his game and his passing, like his one touch passing. If he's got any loss of sensitivity of his feel of the puck, it's going to affect him because he's a guy who likes to make one touch passes. Who's very smooth with the puck. I think that's a part of it. And I, I think the mental part is the bigger part though. Like he's got to simplify his game a little bit until he gets the jitters out because he's too important to the team to be doing some of the things that he's been doing the last few games here. There was like a one-touch play to Caulfield that just went way out of his reach on the power play. There's just like plays the blue line where you're like, why why are you doing that deke there when you've got no support? Just 
overthinking it or maybe underthinking it. He's just not in the right headspace right now. But I, I don't worry about Petrie for at least this season because he's proven that he can rebound from rough stretches before. But this is definitely a rough stretch. And that's kind of been the biggest issue to my mind of why the Canadians have been struggling so much during the start of this season is there's been lot there's lots of areas that are questionable, right? But if Nick Suzuki starts out the year struggling like crazy and Jeff Petrie starts out the year struggling like crazy, that's like your number one and number two guy that you need to be at their best. So it's not really a surprise that they are where they are. But Nick Suzuki breaking out of it this game, to my eye, I thought he had a great game. That's big. That could be a really, really big deal for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, there's one player you didn't mention too I would love to bring up is Jouan, who I thought had a really solid game. Like there was there was a pass to Hoffman to set up the goal that was just um, – he's – I, I'm not sure if he's feeling if it's what, what's all happening, but I feel like this is a dream I was hoping for when he came to the Habs, and um, if this is what he can be consistently throughout the season, I think he's going to be an incredibly valuable piece in a team without Thomas Tatar and some other uh, you know previous uh, offensive producers. Yeah, Duran was fantastic, and he, the thing that stuck out to me from him is just his his touches, right? His instincts with the puck the intelligent plays he's making. Like, the skill has always been there, right? But it's been partly not going to the right areas, partly bad reads, and maybe not as much of a commitment to defense in terms of, like, understanding where to go and where to commit and where not to commit. And all those areas of his game right now are on point. Like, there were so many plays in this game where Duran just, like, Poked his stick at the right point at the right point in the offensive zone, kept a play alive. A little shifty move there with the puck, pass it to a player who's open, keeps the play alive. And yes, he had some spectacular passes. Uh, he made that excellent play to set up the Romanov goal off the faceoff, just digging down, like bearing down on the puck down low. But yeah, it's just the little smart plays that add up over time and create a huge impact. Absolutely. I'd also say, you know, we talked about this last time and AJ jump in. It's please. I'm, I'm blathering good blather a bit now, but we talked last time about, you know, the effect of, of the lack of sleep and anxiety you can have and the kind of the emotional quicksand you can fall into. And as someone who's fallen into that in his career, obviously not playing hockey, um, you, you start to second guess yourself and you, you, uh, you start to try, you overcompensate or, or then, and then swing the other way. And I think Duran, if he's in a better place with his sleep, with the anxiety, uh, probably is is trusting himself again, which is why he's effort making it look effortless on the ice. And then a couple of days off, you know, did Andrew did, did they did they do any special team building trips or anything for, after Seattle, or did what did they? Was there anything special they did uh, the last couple of days? Not that was documented yeah, we, that I noticed yeah. anyway. I, I think maybe going on a road trip is always helpful, but I'm sure they did some sort of team activity because everyone's vaccinated and. There's just less restrictions yeah. in the United States, right? Maybe they probably went yeah. golfing because they're enjoying the nice California weather. But overall, I, I don't know if the team has really come together, but the first two periods of the, this game is probably the closest they've looked to of coming together this season. Like the Detroit game was all right, but it's the Red it's the Red Wings, right? And not that the Sharks are amazing, but they're a much stronger team than the Red Wings, uh, especially so far this season. They've looked a lot stronger than they had in the last couple. So this was definitely the more impressive of the two wins, even though it was 
maybe by like fewer goals scored. This was big. I think also it's a big that uh, Josh Anderson got his first of the season. You know, he was a guy who he's been racking up the expected goals with nothing to show for it, which is kind of a familiar thing for him. But uh, also big, in my opinion, is Mike Hoffman doing exactly what he was paid to do the last several games. I believe it's three games in a row now that he's scored a goal, opened the scoring the last two, and that patience that he had on that first goal to open it is exactly why the Montreal Canadiens acquired that play. He didn't just swat away at a puck loose in front of the net. He grabbed it off the pad on the rebound, stick-handled, and then, like, waited out the goaltender and was like, I'll just put this in the empty net now. It was so calm. It was like, this is a goal scorer right there. Yeah, he kicked that. Yeah, he was, you know, he'll have some problems with the rebounds there. He kicked it out. Yeah, you're right. Like, the, I think the net, they, the normal thing would be just to see, go to try to go five hole on that. He just kind of waited him out. And uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty, you know, it was an easy goal after he did that. Absolutely. All right. So we've got a couple questions and then I want to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks a little bit and by extension, a few people. Uh, so we got the questions. Uh, how is covering a win? I mean, it's fine. I'm glad that I stayed up and actually watched an entertaining game other outside, like as opposed to the Kraken game, which was not just because it was a loss. The Kraken game was just an ugly, terrible game. It wasn't. And Andrew, I'd like to say uh, the Habs are two and zero when uh, I am on game over. That's all. Yes, I said that in the tweet to put the show <laughs> out. So if anybody wants a rune to be on every show, <laughs> start donating. We can start paying them. Uh, <laughs> the other questions were: Does this game save anyone's job for now? I, I think it's way too early to say that because. Yeah. We don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. We don't know if they're going to go on a bit of a run here. I don't think, like, I don't know if the Canadians ever had anybody's job up on the hot seat, right? Like, especially, especially with Price out. I mean, you're coming off, you know, you're, yeah. you're coming off the sound like a final run, but you're, you know, your marquee player, your franchise player is is out indefinitely. I mean, um, I, I would be willing, to, you know, like, if it were me in charge, I would be making a change, but it's not me in charge. The Canadians could have made a change at several points during Bergevin's career where there, a lot of teams probably would have made a change. They've been very patient with their manager and relatively patient with their coaches as well. Yeah, I would say, look, I am not the world's biggest Mark Bergevin fan, as I've talked about before, but I, what I would say is that uh, there is no reason to let him go this season. As AJ mentioned, you got Price out, you got Weber out. Um, what, I don't know what else he could have done at this point. And his pickups, like we said with Hoffman, are, are working out pretty decently so far. Like he's, he's made a move to charm. What's what's it's so early in the season. Like I said, last time we got to give them, got to give everyone a chance. It's an atypical time um, in everyone's lives. Uh, and if they have more games like this, if Jake Allen continues to be that rock, yeah, then maybe the start of Suzuki um, getting hot Gallagher, maybe unlocking that scoring again, you know, good for him to get that to, to net one today. And um, yeah, why, this is not Toronto. And we talked about this previously uh, with, with other Arun, uh, that it's not Toronto where you have a group of players who are so experienced who have been together, a core that's been together that um, this early in the season, maybe there's a question about why it's not working again. This is a different group of players, missing key leaders. I, I think they're doing exactly what we would have expected them to do uh, at this point in the season. I have to call out, there's a comment that is totally not me. You can see that I'm not typing. <laughs> that says, wow, Andrew Berkshire is a nice-looking gentleman. Thank you. Uh, is your, 
<laughs> is, is Kish tweeting? Is that what's happening? No, no, no. Kish? Kish has been asleep for almost three hours. So I, I'm I'm absorbing that one. I like that comment. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Canadians are a funny team, but uh, we'll move on to the next question here. The Canadians have struggled historically in California. Time zone or more than that? I think that comes down to, for a long stretch of time, the California teams were very good, and the Canadians were very mediocre, and... That's kind of how that works out. Like time zone probably does have an effect, but that that's pretty self-explanatory to me. Yeah. And I guess uh, it's, some... it's it's the beaches. Yeah, it's the beaches. The beaches. Yeah, they got all sunburnt, so it was hard to move. You know. And I'll say, as someone here living, you know, in LA... yes, yeah, go go for it. Yeah, you're in LA, so, someone yeah. living in LA. Uh, it can almost feel like a, a Habs a home game at times with the amount of us who are here to go see the game. So they certainly have the crowd support here. I've gone to see them in Anaheim as well. You have the crowd support. So uh, uh, I would imagine, like like you said, Andrew, <laughs> there were good teams before. They're not as good teams now. So there's opportunity to be had. Yeah, and, and that's natural. The whole, yeah, I think the whole league was worried about Vegas becoming that. Everybody going to Vegas and losing. And I realize that, you know, that really hasn't planned, uh, unless you're you know, one of the Sharks players who's not playing on right now. So. <laughs> This is true. All right, so we I'm going to shout out the mods, actually. Uh, Robert Malloy, who's fantastic at keeping things civil within the YouTube chat and uh, putting out the information about the stream and also posting everything on the Discord, which everyone should check. If you go to SB, sdpn.ca, yeah, .ca, you can find the link to the invite to the Discord, which is super fun and for some reason is very obsessed with pickles. But uh, yeah, go check that out. I'm on there pretty much every day. Like what? Like like Mark Edward Vlasic pickles or no no just they ask everyone if they like pickles and but when what, you answer, oh. the chat goes nuts. I do you like pickles, Andrew? Are they your, are they are they like what uh, like peppers are to dangle? No 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 I like pickles. I think okay. they're fine. I, I mean I don't think pickles right. are the most amazing thing in the world, but on a burger I love pickles. Good dill pickle. How about fried, how about fried pickles? I've never actually had a fried pickle. Well, it's better than poutine. Oh wow! Shots Wait, what, fired what, here. what? What is this garbage that is being spewed right now? <laughs> <laughs> we can't let that go away. But with uh, with the thanking of the mods, I gotta. I'm just giving them a heads up as well. A content warning for everybody watching live and on uh, the YouTube channel after, and anybody listening on Spotify or Apple Music or Google, whatever you listen on. Uh, we are going to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks stuff. I, I feel like this game, as fun as it was, there's not a ton to talk about. There was not any major, major storylines for the Montreal Canadiens outside of, like, the people that you needed to score, scored. Gallagher scoring his first. That's great. If it gets them going, that's big. Like I have said before, I'm not really worried about Brendan Gallagher at this point. I think he's doing the right things. Uh, same with Josh Anderson. So, the Chicago Blackhawks situation. The... Most important thing for this stream, I would say, is the Mark Bergevin question. Uh, he was not implicated in the report, in the 107-page report from Jenner and Block, but there are a lot of folks who are taking that lack of implication and extending it to not involved or didn't know anything, therefore exonerated of any involvement. And I think we have to take a step back and not jump to that conclusion. And I, I'm not saying that I am accusing Mark Bergevin of doing anything wrong. I think that the one thing that you can say is from that report, 
There's no implication that Mark Bergevin was involved in covering up the sexual assault of Kyle Beach. And I think that's a very fair thing to say. There's no implication. There's no evidence at this point that he had that involvement, right? He, he wasn't a shot caller with the Blackhawks at that point. He was the director of player personnel. And I talked to a few people in hockey about that position specifically because there was a lot of assumptions going around online that the director of player personnel is a liaison between the players and the management team. And that's not really true. Uh, from what I could tell, talking to a few people around the game, is it's kind of different on every team. But for the most part, they're a person who is in charge of liaising between amateur scouting and pro scouting and kind of like managing prospects. So that doesn't mean that he wouldn't have known anything because guess what? Kyle Beach was a prospect, right? The Black Aces would have actually been within Mark Bergevin's wheelhouse of responsibility. So there is every chance that Mark Bergevin did know at the time, but wasn't high up enough in the organization to be in those meetings and involved in deciding not to pursue it. So it's like, it does. He, we don't have to talk about Mark Bergevin as the most guilty of all, but like I, I would put him likely in the same category as I would put the core members of the roster of the Chicago Blackhawks, except for he had more power than them to make a difference, right? So, like, he could have stood up to the same extent that Paul Vincent did, right? So, I know I'm rambling here a little bit, and I'm going to let AJ and Arun try, dive in here, but I'm trying to be very careful in how we approach this because we don't want to say anything about somebody that we can't take back, and we don't want to assume anything either. But the fact that Mark yeah. Bergevin refused a media appearance or to talk to the media about this, refused questions about this situation, I understand that there's maybe legalities that need to be talked about and maybe he needs to talk to his lawyer beforehand. But you've had time between when this story broke and now. It's not just like you were waiting for the report to come out. You should know what you're going to say beforehand. So we don't know if Mark Bergevin cooperated with the investigation. There are 37 people who refused to. One of them we know for, for a fact is Duncan Keith. But we know that he's not willing to talk now. And to me, that's a lack of leadership, a lack of responsibility, and some cowardice. Yeah, and it, we saw with Kyle, it, beyond, the, uh, beyond the report, Kyle's interview, which I give props for him being so brave to come out and come forward and reveal himself. And, you know, he said that, you know, everybody with the team, you know, the players, the uh, management, and he even said media members. And I, and I'm close with one of the beat writers uh, who was with the team at the time. He had no idea about this, but the fact that it was so well known that, you know, it would be, I'm not going to try to speculate too much, but it would be kind of a shock that if he, you know, whether his recollection recollections have changed over the last decade for him, no, at that point was is it's almost a given, you know, at least have something now. Whether he's curious enough to ask more questions at the time, or he was, or how he pursued it, you know, not everything I've covered these kind of these kind of things. Unfortunately, going back to Ray Rice even before that, uh, here the here in the United States with the, with the with the NFL, and I'm in the middle of one right now, the Washington Football Team. You know, there what they, you know, what's in the report? There's going to be stuff that's not that 
there's gonna be stuff missing. And it's not because it's missing because, you know, all the Duncan Key situations missing because he didn't talk to talk to the to the investigators. There's gonna be stuff like that missing, but there's also gonna be, you know, there's there's a narrow, not to say a narrow scope, but the scope isn't isn't always what you think. You know, they're not trying to get drag a, you know, put a you know, big fish like a big net on everybody. You know, they're trying to figure out who are the key people and who 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 should have done something. And didn't, and we saw tonight Quenville being basically forced out by Gary Bettman um, was one of them. Um, and I think there's going to be more fallout. And I think Taves and Kane and Duncan Keith, you know, there needs to be more questions. And the way Taves and Kane handled the questions yesterday was just awful. Yes. Um, and and it, 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 I think it, it, it does fall, you know, if it, you know, especially uh, especially for Taves, he's the captain. It falls on him a little bit, enough, not a lot. You know, there's, you know, he was, a, you know, he, they, they hadn't won a cup yet. But he was still a star player. He could have done something more. You know, he could have, you know, I don't care if you're going to the freaking finals. You, this is serious. You know, this is not, and this is not, you know, he, like a player comes to you with that, you know, there's the chance that, that someone would make that up is very, 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 almost infinitely small. Especially you know, a no prospect, right? That you could ruin your career. In, in hockey culture. Yeah. I mean, it's hockey culture hasn't changed that much in 10 years. So you know, and, and it's not, and it's, and it's probably across all sports when it comes to this, but hockey, especially I'm going to single out because, you know, I, I, as a hockey player, that's why my finger's broken. Uh, you know, I, I've been around the sport for a long time. I've covered, you know, lots of hockey, covered 12 finals, been a beat writer back in Anaheim. Um, so I, I know how it goes, but it's, it's, it, I'm just kind of sickened by it. And I knew the report was coming out, but to read, to read through it, it was just awful. And I feel yeah. bad for Kyle having to go through that. Uh, yeah, you know, I think we all stand with Kyle here on this on this show, and that's clear. I there's a there's an example I want to bring up that is not a sexual assault one, but it, it speaks to I think Andrew the the open mindedness. We do need to have a version man. So if you're uh, you know I worked at Marvel for nine years, headed up PR there, and you know a couple of years ago a story came out about uh, Akira Yoshida, which was a pseudonym used by CB Sabalski, who became uh, editor in, in in chief of Marvel. CB is a friend. He was at my wedding. Uh, I interviewed Akira Yoshida when I was a journalist. I had no clue about this. I had no clue. Uh, and you can go read about this. The story is surfacing in the USA today in places. Um, I had no idea. And it's unfa- it is unbelievable that I had no clue. And I don't know if I had blinders on, if I didn't pay attention. And this is, again, this is not sexual assault, but I'm saying there are sometimes things that seem like you should know and it seems wild that you don't, and I didn't. And I want to, I bring yeah. that up. I bring that up because I have, uh, I don't have a very positive view of Mark Bergevin. The uh, way he handled the Subban situation and the dog whistles, his um, support of Andrew Shaw and the homophobic uh, comments um, repeatedly, uh, the uh, Logan Mayu um, situ- uh, situation is uh, beyond reprehensible. And I would say, uh, you know, Mark Bergevin, as the man who once said, if you want it, want loyalty, you should get a dog. I think uh, there's probably something equally clever I could say right now, but it would be inappropriate given the severity of the situation that he hasn't earned, in my mind, um, he hasn't earned an indictment, clearly, but he hasn't earned an exoneration because he hasn't conducted himself like a person um, who I think we necessarily should, should not expect the other shoe to drop for. I'm not saying he uh, did anything wrong. Um, I'm not saying that he buried anything. Obviously, we know that he was not involved in doing that. But um, what I have seen from uh, Taves, uh, from Kane, which is not surprising given his history, what I've seen from players across the league um, is cowardice. 
I've seen people blaming the PA. I've seen people blaming the system. And those are true, sure. But all of you are the system. You are members of the PA. You are... Um, it's not, it's like when we talk, and I'm not going to get too close here, we talk about society being a problem. Well, we're all part of society. Let's own our mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, you know, let's own our role in this. And um, I was incredibly disappointed um, to see that. Look, what happened 10 years ago, I, I, I'm not here really to get that past. That's obviously been covered in, in depth. But what's happened in the last six months across the board in the NHL, almost uniformly, is cowardice. It is, uh, it is people saying things like, oh, it sounds like it was a real bad situation. He was sexually assaulted. Oh, you know, it's, it's up to the Unfortunate incident. Yeah, unfortunate incident. It yeah. sounds like that was really brutal. I'm sorry. And I got to say, even Brendan Gallagher, heart and soul player of the Canadian today, talking about it being something the PA's got to stand up for. I'm not here to indict Brendan Gallagher's character, but what I would say is, you hear those comments in our first blush. I, my follow-up would be, well, what about the players? What were their responsibilities to them? I understand hockey culture. I understand why it won't be asked. But this is a sport where knocking over a water bottle can start a fight on the ice. And this happening to someone doesn't make you put your skin in the game. And it's not unique to hockey. It's not unique to anybody in the sport. Um, but it is like I'm infuriated right now, so I'm gonna just chill for a second. Yeah. But it so, is, I mean, this is like just not not even not reported. They let him freaking coach in the freaking finals. Yeah, I mean, you they let him coach in the finals. I mean, wh- it's in, it's so awful. I mean, you know, they they went through their HR policy back in you know t- ten years ago, and it was like, well, it was you had to report immediately. Not only they did not do that, they let him freaking coach in the finals, and his name his name's on the cup. I mean, it's just sick. And I don't know what the precedent is for taking his name off. I didn't look that far into it, but it's, yeah, you know, there's some, yeah. good, there's some bad people on the cup. I'm not saying all <laughs> the people on the cup are great, great moral characters, but this guy was an assistant coach, a video coach, you know, he, taking his name off is not going to hurt anybody. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, I, yeah, I, I it's just, not, it's, it should be X off. It should be X off so that anytime yes. anybody in the future sees it, they ask the question, who is this guy? Why is his name scratched off? That's the way it should be. Uh, I got to address a couple of the comments here because I think some people are not understanding what I'm trying to say here about Mark Bergerman. Uh, someone's saying, "How can you? How can at this point be possible to prove that he didn't know anything? You can't prove a negative. I don't know what he can say at this point." Well, Mark Bergerman was very clear when he addressed this the first time. He said he didn't know, but here's the thing: if Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, as shitty as their comments were, zoomed in while in COVID protocol to address the media about this, every single person who was associated in management with the Chicago Blackhawks should have to talk to media. They should have to answer a couple questions. It doesn't mean that Mark Bergevin has to come out there and be raked over the coals. That's not what I'm saying. He can come out and have a prepared statement, take a couple of questions, and he can say, Chicago Blackhawks organization, while I was a part of them, failed Kyle Beach. You know, I support Kyle Beach in everything that he's doing right now. This is an awful thing that happened. I'm sorry for not like, he doesn't even have to say, I'm sorry for not doing anything about it. It's like, I'm sorry that this happened to him. It was a failure on all fronts. Perfect. Yep. It's not 
uh, fixing anything, but it is coming out and doing the right thing by saying something mm-hmm. and not like Joel Quenville not going and talking to the media after the last game. Where yeah, he that coached, was, I mean, that was which awful. Was, I mean, that was wild. Coach, that was stupid. Why did they let him coach? They make him coach, make him talk to the media. It, it's easy. I mean, that's just, I mean, and then he goes talk to Batman and he gets forced out. He's not going to talk for a while. Maybe, I don't know. He'll be, he'll be, I'm sure he'll try to get back into hockey at some point. But I mean, that, how the Panthers, I know they're undefeated, how they let him coach and then not talk to the media. It's, it's freaking insane. Yeah, it's completely nuts. And, you know, uh, there was another comment saying, I feel like calling MB, uh, Mark Bergeron not talking a lack of leadership and cowardice uncalled for. You don't know what behind the scenes, say, you don't know behind the scenes to say that. Uh, it doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes. He's a manager. Like, you're, when you're the boss, you have a responsibility to lead. You're not leading. Yeah. You're hiding. Yeah, the so, like, the, whether you have a lot to say or PR, not, you don't have to say a lot. You still have to talk. The, the the head of PR is not going to, you know, may not want him to talk, but he could overrule that and talk. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. He doesn't need to say a lot. He can be cagey. Like Mark Bergevin has been doing this for 10 years or maybe not nine years. This is his ninth year as GM of the Montreal Canadiens. You don't think that he can not incriminate himself in like a 10 minute press conference. Give me a break. And here's what I'd say. If someone says, how can you ask him to come speak to quote Don Draper? That's what the money is for. Yeah. That is, that's exact. You take that job to do that job. That is part of what you do. And again, um, I'm not sure, Andrew, if you get any comments on this, but I'm going to preemptively argue with the comments SCPN style, which is, this is not about canceling anybody. No. Just on the side, cancel culture isn't a real thing. But this is not about canceling anyone. It, it, we are set, we're actually saying the opposite. We're saying we want Mark Bergman to come out to provide leadership so that we, as uh, you know, as a retired Habs fan and Andrew and me as someone who is a fan of the organization, but maybe not the current iteration, um, can say this is how the Habs organization is moving forward and show support to all the young uh, people in this game who are coming up, who are scared of what happens to them, who are scared if they'll be supported, whether they're on the Habs or any other team. This is not about the Montreal Canadiens. This is about the kid and the kid's parents and, and their, their family and, who are playing hockey in junior somewhere, who, want, who are worried about what might happen to them, who need to know that in the big leagues, people stand up against this. That's who this is for. 100%. Yeah, and it's, you know, and this... This was a good opportunity also to, you know, this, you know, they kind of danced around it a little bit in the report or, you know, the, there, there was a homophobia element to this mm-hmm. where, you know, this was, this was, if this, you know, this is obviously a uh, man on man and it's, you know, it, I know it's, that doesn't make people come, some people uh, um, 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 uncomfortable, but it was, it, you know, they kind of danced around that a little bit. It, it's like, you know, that it's also a major part. And that's part of hockey. That's part of sports culture and especially hockey culture. We've never had an out active um gay uh player in the nhl you know they were there there's been a few it's been a few brave ones who come out after they play and i you know this is not gonna this is not gonna help the effort to 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 you know make it welcoming to you know these you know the gay the trans and everybody else who 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 do play the sport at a young age and you know and they and they and the homophobia is still in the locker rooms from mites on up I know in the U.S. it is. I don't know about Canada, but it just this was a good. Is this this could be a turning point, and I don't think the NHL and the teams are taking advantage of it because I think they could come. 
be a lot stronger than they have been, you know, yeah. to address that. And I think for, for those who are upset at me, like what I'm saying about Mark Bergman specifically, I'm not like what Arun said is true. I'm not saying we need to cancel the guy, right? But I think when you are the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens and you worked for this team at this time, right? And you have a sketchy history of employing people who have been accused or even convicted of sexual sexual crimes, because he also signed Nick Cousins, who had a rape accusation when he was in junior, I believe. Uh, you've got to be a leader. And I think no matter what, even if you weren't, if you're the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, you have to be a leader in the NHL. You have to be. You're the fr NHL franchise, right? So if I'm Mark Bergevin right now, say that, let's absolve Mark Bergevin of all possible guilt. Let's say that he knew absolutely nothing. He was kept out of it. He didn't hear it from the players. And Kyle Beach wasn't talking about it. Let's say he didn't know, didn't hear it from any of the prospects. He didn't know at all. If you're Mark Bergevin and that's the situation, are you not furious? Are you not? And are, and are you not rage? talking over the last few months we, when, 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 when this all started coming out? Are you not going back to the people you were close to and asking them what they knew? So you'd yeah. be prepared um, to talk to the media now if you did nothing. If you knew nothing, you had no idea. You go back and talk to people. Hey, did, what, what, what's this about? What, I, I, I was around the team. What, 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 what's going on? That, you could have done that in the last several weeks. You didn't have to wait for the report to come out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm just, I'm disappointed that he didn't step up right now when he could have. You know, people have commented that didn't have to. Mark Bergevin could have been part of that group. But the fact that he worked for the Blackhawks, I think, makes him somebody who should step up. But let's move off Mark Bergevin because it's not the Mark Bergevin show. Let's talk about uh, Jonathan Taves because I think this is going to probably be the last thing that we talk about here tonight. And the guy who was held up as the prototypical leader in the NHL failed in spectacular fashion and clearly has been failing for the last 11 years now because yeah. that the fact that he talked about the, he kind of denied that they knew that year, but said that they knew in training camp. So like you knew, I, and I, I think his first response, not even just today, but when the report came out that, there were homophobic comments at Kyle directed towards Kyle Beach, and uh, Taves said that he was like mad at the player who said that. I was like, okay, so you don't understand it, do you? At all, you don't get the severity of what's going on. That you're mad that somebody broke like locker room sanctity. Yeah, I'm going to jump in. Sorry, I mean yeah. Stephanie earlier there. I want to just say, um, and you can you can correct the quote here, but I feel like one of his quotes today he said something about how. You know, if he was more connected to the player or the situation, you might have had a different reaction. And I, I find those kind of comments. That's not what a leader is. You're if you are, and and it's not, and it's out, so out of sync with the team first, everything for the team, everyone for every man around us kind of attitude that we always hear espoused in hockey. Uh, I don't need to, it's, it's the same thing you often hear when people say, well, you know, as a father of a girl, I'm, a, I'm horrified by what, is ha what happens to women. You don't need to be, a, you don't need to be, we're all related to a woman in some way, but we're like, we're, you don't, you don't need to be connected to women. You don't need to have a daughter. You don't need to have a wife. You don't, you need to have a girlfriend to be uh, affected by that. You're not, you, Jonathan Taves as a human 
you don't need to be more connected to your teammate. <laughs> just be clear. You don't need to be more connected to your teammate than to say, holy sh- shit, this is a human being going through an awful thing. And I have power in this situation to ensure that the perpetrator of this never gets to do it at the very least to a member of my team, my guys ever again. And I, I, at the same time, I want to just say one other thing to not absolve Taves of any, of any responsibility, but hockey does such a poor job of training actual leaders in these situations. The NHL itself presents a terrible example over the last year, black lives matter with the LGBTQ uh, IA two spirit plus uh, inclusivity with, with all these matters with the, um, in the uh, Asian Canadian or Asian American Pacific Islander violence that we've seen uh, or violence against them it has done such a poor job. And I am not excusing Taves, but I would also say, go back to something you said real quick for tossing AJ here. You called Taves a prototypical leader. I think he's exactly the leader the NHL breeds. Yes. That is exactly the kind of leader they breed. And on some level, he is the, that is the product. His leadership style is a product of those around him. And so I don't, con- I have issues with the comments, but I can understand why his perspective lacks, um, lacks perspective. So I don't know, AJ, yeah. you've been cut. You said you were beat. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Taves is like all captains are awful quotes. Um, but then he, it goes off on, you know, it wasn't about Kyle. It was about Bowman leaving. Oh, yeah. I have a connection to Bowman. I, uh, I mean, that, I mean, he's like, dude, he's gone. He covered something up. You, you, all you talk about is Kyle and what you didn't do for him and how bad you feel for you, for your failure as a captain. That's what you talk about. You don't talk about, oh, Bowman's leaving. Oh, I've, I have a connection to him. I'm sorry to see him go. No, you know, you don't talk about that. It's the victim. You know, Bowman's not the victim, but Bowman, yeah, covered it up. He was up. He was up. You know, I know he tried to pass it off on a couple others, but you know, he was he was pretty high up there with the Blackhawks. He he could have done something. You know, it, I have no idea. If I was in that situation, first call would be to the police, Chicago PD, immediately. I mean, immediately. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even tell Wurtz. I would just call the police, and I tell Wurtz later. Yeah, I call the police. I mean, you you have a you have a especially like coming from. Uh, if I, if I was a coach here in the US, uh, we coaches here have a, you have to report anything like that immediately. There's no, this is for youth hockey, obviously. And I've never been a pro player, but you know, it, uh, but you have to report it immediately. And that's, the, and, and that goes across almost every sport here. And then, you know, to say, to not only let him coach and let this coach coach in the finals, and then, then just kind of brush it and just kind of forget about it after that. I mean, it, it would have been bad, you know, middle of June to call the police at that point. It would have been something. It would, it would be awful, but it would still be something. It shouldn't be. It, it shouldn't take the athletic. It should not take the this these these the the NHL to hire a firm, a law firm to investigate. It should have never gotten this far. You're right. And sorry, Ruben, I wanted to just jump in here quickly. Uh, one of the thoughts that I had with, with the whole Taves thing, and I forget if it was Taves or Kane that said it, but some one of them said that they're so busy focused on hockey that they just kind of have tunnel vision during the season. And you know what? People got really upset at that comment. I do get that. Mm-hmm. I do get that. That is a thing with professional athletes, that there are things that they just block out because this is everything to them. To get to this level, to be that good, I understand that side of it 
but it's not understanding now when it's years later that it's not about you it's not about stan bowman it's about the victim and i'll, I'll let you uh close us out after a room but for my, my closing thought is watching the interview that rick westhead did with kyle beach and when he asked him about the 16-year-old victim of Brad Aldrich after he'd moved on from the Blackhawks, to watch Kyle Beach, who is not responsible, break on air with the guilt of this child being abused after him as if it was his fault for not coming forward, that turned my stomach to such a ridiculous degree I wanted to puke. Because to see him feel that guilt and all these other players who were on the Blackhawks or all these other people in management, instead of feeling that guilt publicly and breaking down, just trying to pass the buck on to someone else. And that goes to, for Stan Bowman. That goes for Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. Quenville. All those players. Joel Quenville. Yeah. All those people. To not be sick to your stomach by what happened through your hand-waving away of this incident is beyond me it's beyond me and to watch beach be the one to sit there and feel guilty about it it just man it just pissed me off so much it's a broken situation and i hope that because of his bravery that we get to the point where we don't have to talk about these things happening anymore because i guarantee this isn't the only one it's the one we know about right no. now but it ain't the only one yeah, it's yeah, I, I totally agree. And I hopefully this 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 changes something because it was it's it was, you know, this, this, this stuff's out there. This stuff happens at all levels. But you don't expect this in the NHL. You don't expect it at the pro level to be handled this, this, this is a shitty way to handle it. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They, you know, Blackhawks really fucked up. And it's, you know, it's, and they should be you know punished for it. You know, I don't know what you could do at this point. You know, they already suck this season. But you know, but you know, it's it should stick to Taves, it should stick to King, Duncan Keith, all the players who were there, who 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 were. You know, I, I covered that series. I know how how much Chicago won a cup. It'd been decades. I know, you know, I did no idea this happened. Obviously, because it happened before I got there. But it was happened before between the series, I guess, or end of the happened at the end of the conference finals. I from what I recall. You know, I, if I would have, if I had any inkling at all, knowing my background in my, <laughs> I would have gone after it too, but, um, and hopefully, you know, best I could, but it's, you know, it, it falls on the team and the black, this is, this is just, this, this will stick to the Blackhawks for years and it should. Yeah. Arun. Yeah. What I was gonna, yeah. What I was going to say is um, for anybody listening who thinks we're canceling or, or asking or anything, I want you to go back and just listen real quickly. We never said Mark Bergevin should be uh, indicted. We actually said the opposite. We didn't say anyone, we didn't say Taves and Kane shouldn't be playing hockey again, or even that Taves should be stripped of the sea, though I have feelings on that. We haven't oh, said, I think it should. I, I, I think so too, but I'm not, but I, I'm not, we're not saying that that is the prescription, right? It may be our feeling, but yeah. like we're, what we have said in each of these cases is the, Right. And we're not even going back to, you know, young players, what they feel their power is in that structure. I'm, I'm not here to indict even Kane and Taves for that. What I'm saying right now is Kane, Taves, and every member of the Blackhawks organization who was involved with this, because they all, they are by definition of being there. 
they will be defined by what they do now to make sure no one ever suffers in this sport like that again, that raise awareness. And honestly, you touched on this, AJ, the uh, male sexual abuse is something we don't talk a lot about in society. And this gives an opportunity for these players, not just the PA, not the NHL. I want to break down to these players to do something. And, and what I think should especially stick to them is it's not going to be every game. I get it. But there should be consistent questions to Taves, to Kane, to this organization. What are you doing? Show us the results. Show us the efforts. The same way we say with Logan Mayu. Okay, the Habs made a whole list of promises. What are you doing to follow through on that? And we need at the very least some kind of with Kane and Taves and Andrew up right up front on stage. They had enough time to trot out um, eight women on stage with them at, at the uh, at the at the draft uh, to try to make themselves look good. They can get eight players up there on the stage with them too to say, "Here's what we commit to doing," and to proactively message around it. And and I hope for everyone's yeah. sake that Taves shows the character we all hoped he had and he may still have and leads the way for a new generation by saying, when you mess up, here's what you do to make the world better, even though you can't take back the mistake you made. And that should be the hope we yep. have for everybody involved here. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to follow up on that really quick. Um, what they, they knew this was coming. I mean, Bowman stepping down and quickly after it was released, they could have had a plan. They could have had tapes, could have Kane, everybody up there. This is the plan. These are like points. This is what we're doing better now. We, 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 we messed up. This is what we're doing now. They had no, they, it was Bowman stepping down and then issuing press releases. That's the Blackhawks. And then the day later, Taves and Kane talking to the media, doing a poorly, poor job at it. That was how the Blackhawks handled this situation. It's, it was awful. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, uh, that's all we have tonight for Game Over Montreal because, frankly, I need to calm down and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks to Arun Singh and AJ Perez for joining us today. Uh, you can find them. Their Twitters are linked in the description, both in the YouTube and on the podcast version of the show. Thank you both go guys for joining me here tonight, late at night, and uh, enjoy your rest of the week here. Habs undefeated when I'm here. The most important player in Habs history. <laughs> Comic accurate, right? Yes, absolutely. Fun fact, go read Omega Flight number four. Arun Singh is listed as the greatest goalie in Montreal Canadiens history in the Marvel Universe. It's canon now, baby. <laughs> All right, and AJ, you want to tell us what you have going on this year? Uh, outside of healing, I've, yeah, I didn't, I didn't need surgery for my broken finger, I, but I will be uh, back on the ice pretty soon. So Ed, I cover, I'm, I'm in the middle of a couple investigations right now, which hopefully one will pop tomorrow if I get, you know, one more confirmation, so... Uh, football related, not hockey related, but you know, I'll be back in San Jose watching the Sharks over Christmas. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. And thanks to everyone who tuned in late at night. We'll see you again on Saturday, I guess, early evening or late afternoon, depending on how you view around 645 because there's two afternoon games. And then on Halloween as well, we'll be going live late that night because I'm going trick-or-treating with my kids as, instead of doing right after the game because I'm just not skipping that for a Habs game. Sorry. So we'll be on at about 9 p.m. on Sunday. Tune in to Game Over Montreal then. Make sure you throw us a like, subscribe on all platforms.